Well, welcome back to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. We just finished oh, such an such a, a meaningful conversation, another one, and and honestly, it's early here in the morning when we officially um, took the time to to record this, and it was just a perfect way to start our day. Yeah, we uh, really enjoyed Rashida Jones. Uh, She's, uh, we're talking with her uh, here. We're here in Pennsylvania. She's in Amsterdam, uh, uh, the Netherlands. And it's, we just love the fact that we're able to connect with people, you know, who live uh, so far from us. And yet we're sharing the same feelings and the same, the same values, the same experiences. And that's, that's just kind of incredible to realize how much we have in common with people, no matter where they live. Yeah, and one of the initial questions that we've been asking all of our guests, for those of you who tune in regularly, is just how COVID's affected you, both positively and negatively. And for right out of the gate, she's just so vulnerable and honest, and it was a very hard day for her. And we're not sure how much she'll be willing to, to share um, publicly, but just know that it was, a, it was a challenging day for her and her family, and yet she was willing to take an hour to, to be fully present, which is what we talked about extensively in this conversation with us and with our listeners. So we thank her. And it's just a good, good reminder that COVID has, it has drawn us together in some profound ways. Yeah, as much as it's um, broken us apart in other ways. I mean, she talked about the fact that she and her siblings and her parents, they all live in four different countries. And so they're not getting to see one another. Uh, very uh, at all and and it's hard sometimes to be supportive of one another you know it physically and be present in that way certainly but um but the fact that we can have this technology like we like we are using right now to connect anyway the best we can in these uncertain times uh, we're certainly grateful for that and and um we we hope that everyone no matter where they live, no matter where you live, where you are, where your family is, where your friends are, that you're able to connect in ways that are still meaningful and um, that, um, that, that can help you know you're not alone through these very difficult times. This is what our guest today, Rashida Jones, has written about herself. First and foremost, I am a human of the world. Then I am a wife, daughter, sister, and a mother of two. I'm curious. I am a seeker and a soul searcher. I am a dreamer and a believer. I live for today and I show up for tomorrow. I chose HR on purpose, human uh, relations. I didn't fall into it or get stuck in it. My love for what I do has led me to live and work in four countries looking at what drives, motivates, and moves people. I am an HR disruptor. I care about how we serve the businesses we become part of. Change is rapid and unrelenting, and we are witnessing a shift from a world of scarcity to a world of abundance and scale in areas such as information and technology. There is increased connectivity between and within organizations which presents opportunities for HR to drive innovation, creativity, collaboration, and increase productivity and results. I believe it's time for something different. It's time we scale HR to support and enable businesses 
and individuals to reach their full potential. NRGHR stands for New Roots for Growth and Energy All-in-One. My aim is to bring more balance of energy to the universe through businesses, in particular through purposeful and conscious people practices that unleash true human potential in the workplace. Ms. Jones is, was born in Portugal and grew up there, but today she speaks to us from Amsterdam, North Holland, in the Netherlands. Well, we'd love to just get into the conversation. One of the things that we've been asking a lot of our guests, Rashida, is just how COVID's affected you, maybe some positive things that you've seen happen as a result, but then also maybe some of the more traumatic things that uh, have been especially difficult to work through. And we'd love for you just to be as honest as you feel compelled to be today. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom. It has been an unprecedented year, I have to say. And um, one of the things that I feel has positively impacted me on a personal level is the um, is a is the final realization that control is an illusion, and everything that we we seek to do in our lives usually to have that to bring that element of control to what we do, what we feel, what we think, is just an illusion, and actually we have control over nothing. And um, and the, the result of that is slow down, you know. And we often we live so much into the future, and so much of what not hasn't happened. Uh, and what we want to happen that we forget to really enjoy um, live in the present, live in the moment. My biggest lesson and my biggest learning has been the true understanding of these very simple five words. It is what it is. It's really just that. And for the first time ever, I actually understand and truly feel what that means. And it just means stop attaching a label to anything, to any circumstance or any event that happens to you. The moment we stop attaching a label, we stop the expectations and we stop the hurt that comes with it. Because I think a lot of us have, over the past one year, had events happen to us. People just automatically label us, that's bad, that's not good, I'm not happy, I don't like it. And what that does is trigger this just sort of huge avalanche of emotions and expectations that are attached to that emotion. And, and, uh, and this is very much a Buddhist thing. The moment you sort of say, okay, there is no label, there is no good and there is no bad because there is only what there is. So it is what it is. You begin to really shift to a different mindset and to a different mentality. And um, I guess it's helped me become a little bit more positive and it helps me through the, through the, through the days in which sometimes are more challenging than others. So uh, I would say that's the biggest lesson for me from COVID and how it's positively impacted me in my life. Uh, and it helps me with my anxiety and sometimes, you know, that sort of the mental um, exhaustion uh, that I used to bring myself um, into with my thinking. So that is a positive thing. And, and you asked me about sort of one of some of the, the most challenging things that I've witnessed has really been in the business um, and how uh, COVID has basically impacted um, a lot of a lot of lives whether it's family whether it's you know um, friends social there's just been a lot of impact in that and uh, the way some businesses have conducted and carried out uh, some of their business needs has not been very human and that thing ha- that has been the hardest thing for me to witness Rashida you mentioned the phrase it is what it is and that's one that we hear a lot here in the United States. And uh, 
I don't know if we knew that it's used elsewhere around the world. So it's it, it, uh, it it's kind of nice to know that that's a little bit more com- of a common phrase in other places as well. And uh, appreciate you you saying that. And and because we do label uh, experiences and feelings. And, and control can, you know, is, is, is one thing that we, that, that mo- many of us struggle with. And uh, so th- thank you for sharing that perspective that, that you did about letting go of that. And uh, it's not always easy to do, but um, I think you're, you're making a very good and, and valid point. So I'm curious about this, just to, to press in on this a little bit further. So what, is it, has there been anything that you've implemented in your life since COVID started to really help you just remain present? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, uh, I actually do a practice um, every morning. I light three candles and I light one for myself. So I do a loving kindness prayer, so to speak. And, uh, and I light one candle for myself and I light one candle for all my friends and my loved ones. And I light one candle for all the beings in this world, actually. And it's literally what I'm asking for is, is, is guidance, love, protection uh, for, for all of us. You know, give us the strength that we need to get through our day. And that I do that every morning without fail. And it's, um, it's a wonderful thing to do because it really, it, it helps me ground myself on the day. But it also feels like I'm giving something back um, to, to the wider community and society because I think we're all in need of love and kindness at the moment. That's that's. <laughs> We're we're implementing that yeah. tomorrow morning. <laughs> we've got we've got to do it too. That's that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. One of the things that that impressed us about you was the the purpose and the aim of your organization, and it, it is that it you're trying to help people unleash their true human potential. And could you say more about that? Why? What motivated, inspired you uh, to want to do that? And, and how do you help organizations and people to meet their, their greatest human potential? Like, like anything, um, I feel like one of the things that has inspired me was my own personal experience, uh, which is my sort of my biggest sort of push <laughs> into this. And um, I've always been very ambitious and I've always been, uh, I'm a go-getter, you know, and I, I can't, I'm a seeker as well. I'm always looking for things. And in it shows, you know, I left home when I was 15 um, because I wanted to learn English. I left Portugal. I want to learn English. I want to know more. I want to do more. I want to see the world. And, you know, so from a very young age, I'm, I'm always seeking, looking, I want, you know, I want to experience. And um, so, so I, I go through things. I, I give myself ambitious targets, um, you know, objectives, and, and I reach, you know, I reach them, and you know, I go on. And um, but what was happening is that there was this huge sense of unfulfillment still, sort of deep down inside. You know, every, everything that I set myself, every target, every dream I, that I managed to, um, you know, bring to reality in one way or another. It just wasn't enough, you know, I would do that. And then it's like, okay, but I still don't feel happy. I still don't feel happy. That was underly- that was the underlying emotion. I don't feel happy. And that, that started me onto the whole quest of what is happiness? Why is it that I don't feel happy? What, you know, I, I should be feeling happy. And I, and I understood and realized that happiness is not a destination. You know, happiness is, for me, at least, I, what I see happiness as, as a definition is that there are moments and instances and circumstances that you you do and you bring to your life on a day-to-day basis. 
And instead, what I was actually missing was fulfillment. I wasn't fulfilled because everything that I was doing uh, wasn't fulfilling enough. And that was the next question. What, what is it that fulfilled me? And why is this not fulfilling me? And that's when I got to the second part of my, um, of my purpose in life. So everything that I was doing was pretty much about myself, you know, what I want, you know, so goal setting pretty much to the first person. And when I started to add a second dimension to my goal setting, which is how, what is then the purpose and the impact on to someone else? And then the third, which is society or community, things started to make a lot more sense. So it just became also about how do I, how do I gain to also give? So how can I make this a sort of mutually, mutually beneficial cycle, you know, basically? Um, so, so that was this number two. And then that was the realization that within that, that businesses operate in pretty much very selfish you know, cycles. It's all about taking, 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 and we're not really giving. And what is the one thing that really motivates and drives people? You know, it's actually, it's the, the ability to know that they make an impact, that they matter, that uh, actually there is, there is a place that they belong. And that's what, not, what we were not doing in organizations is creating these spaces, which let our people know that they matter, that the work that they do is impactful and that they belong there. There is a purpose. They have a purpose. And that's how um, for me, Energy HR was born was was for that to bring a new energy energy into the world and also new routes for growth, both for organizations and for individuals. We've in- implemented this practice as an organization, and I actually just posted a blog on our our social feeds maybe a week or two ago that we choose a word to live by for the year. And you may have heard of this practice, but in the beginning of the year, every year, our team members we all select a word, and then we. We make them into bracelets, and uh, and I was just thinking of Michael, and his word for this year is joy. But we did see a common thread running through most of our team members. It was truly to be present and to just receive the moment as it comes. And I think we're in a time right now where we're doing a lot of... Um, I'm a future worrier by nature. Probably it sounds like maybe you might be as well and just projecting into the future too much and, and not just receiving mm-hmm. the moments as they come. And I know in this conversation, as we were preparing, we were thinking, it sounds like a lot of your work is a revolves around change in, in organizations. And we'd love for you just to focus mm-hmm. in on that in this conversation. Just how do we shift our mindset to both individually, personally, and also collectively as a group uh, to just receive moments as they come? That's, that's a, yeah, that's a big question. Um, I think one of the thing, one of the, one of the things that actually makes this a little bit more difficult is what we currently define as success, right? What, what, what is the definition of, of success? What does it look like when it comes to organizations? And, and there, are, there are two things that we do in companies, which, uh, which makes this practice very difficult. One is the habit of uh, performance management, which is very much backward looking. So we, we spend three months uh, to six months of a year looking back at what we've done. So very much past looking. And then we spend a lot of time then looking at forward goal setting. What is it that we're going to do then, which will help us achieve our goals in the next year or three years. So it's very difficult then to, to bring the, the present moment into an organization. And it's very difficult to ground ourselves to, to focus on actually what is in front of us in the next three to six months, because we're always thinking about my uh, incentive or my bonus that I want to receive in a year's down the line. 
and the other practice that that is difficult here which goes against this this sort of this sort of um nature that we have this nature we have this thing in us that we're um you know we seek close connections with others right we, we want to contribute care for each other we seek close connections the other thing is that when it comes to organizational uh, life cycle it's very much individualistic so goal setting is individualistic uh, bonuses are individualistic but then we say we want people to work together there is a huge culture structure misfit because of this so that it's hard to do that there's a statement that, that you've made that we love, and it, it, it is about success. You said that success begins and ends with people, which is why it's, it becomes even more important to create the kind of environment in which people can excel, in which they want mm -hmm. to work, for example. We'd love to hear yeah. some examples of how you, you create that kind of environment, and um, we know that you've got some good things to say about that. <laughs> Yeah, so, so one of the things that um, for me really, when it comes to creating environments in which people want to work in, um, the, the most important thing here is to find out actually what is important for our people. So it's about not copy and pasting what somebody else has done. It's not about imposing you know, what we think is the right thing, but it's about co-creating what this experience looks like with the employees, with each of the stakeholders. The reality is that we have a multi-generational workforce um, in most organizations right now. The second complexity is also um, that we have a very strong digital experience in our world, which most employees now expect to be matched in their workplace as well. Um, and then we have then a, a third generation, which is entering the work workforce, which is all about purpose. And it's all about um, contributing to society, uh, sustainable development goals, so to speak. So, and most companies are not prepared for this because they're still very much used to um, having practices and working practices, which are very much Tayloristic, you know, um, for, you know, they come from that era. We haven't really found a way to, to change it. Um, so, so, so the starting point for me is to go back and, and actually map out what is the experience that our employees want to have. But number one, who, who is working for us? Who are these personas? Who are our users? You know, we, we do so much work for the customer experience and the customer journey. And we, we know exactly the segmentation of our customers. We, don't, we know their profile and we, we go after wanting to sell to them. Why are we not doing the same in the workplace? It's the same approach. So it's really start seeing our employees as our as, as humans, which we are and they are, uh, and 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 basically create these practices um, that cater to them, that helps them be their best. Because if you have a successful workforce, a happy workforce, you have a successful business as well. I know in one of your interviews you had talked about micro interactions, and uh, we'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And I think we had a kind of a micro interaction yesterday, we, we'd love to tell our listeners about we here in central Pennsylvania are in the middle of winter, it's cold. And yesterday was a frigid, frigid day. Uh, the wind was blowing, it was about one, one degree, one degrees uh, with with the wind chill. And our team wanted to, to go out to lunch together. And we we couldn't figure out we wanted to maintain social distancing and, and what to do and where to go. So we decided to get takeout from a restaurant and we literally set up shop in the middle of a parking lot in front of a Barnes and Noble. And, and we just had some of the most meaningful interaction that we've probably had in months. And I think all of us left that interaction just saying, wow, gosh, we really needed that. 
And I don't know if you see a parallel when you talk about micro interactions, but we'd love for you to uh, to give some examples of maybe workforces that have been maybe a little bit more intentional about uh, fostering those types of, of connections. Mm-hmm. I think that there are, uh, first of all, I love that example. And I think this is what we need right now, right? It's um, it, it's really that connection, the, the listening to each other, seeing each other, the presence and appreciating the small things. The small things are the biggest things. And uh, gosh, we've taken so much for granted. Um, some of the things in the workplace, I, I think there are there are questions with which we can all ask each other, whether we're a leader, whether we're a people manager, whether we're an employee, and it's to intentionally ask ourselves with every interaction that we have with uh, with a colleague is to, is to ask the question, what is it that I can do? What is one thing that I can do today that will help you leave, um, you know, at this interaction feeling better, more positive? Um, than when than when you started or when you came in, whatever it is. But it's really about what is that one thing that I can do, say, um, that will help us, that will help you leave this feeling more energized, more confident or more positive. And I think we can all ask, if we all ask that question, or even how can I support you? I think th- those are the things that matter right now. These are, these are the things that make the difference. And that's, it will help people feel that they are seen, they are heard, that they matter, you know, that um, actually I am here and I see you. That's all we want, actually, at the end of the day, is that recognition. You've uh, written that uh, gone are the days when the employee's experience could be influenced just by a paycheck at the end of the month. Love that statement, too. Mm -hmm. And we believe that very strongly as well. And uh, these these kinds of interactions and recognition and and paying attention to people as as human beings and not just some somebody who comes to produce something but uh but as but as human beings we think that's uh, that's really significant and we applaud you for for believing that and understanding that and trying to help organizations to live that i'm thinking of the statement from Doug Conant mm-hmm. do you want to tell that story um there uh there was a CEO of a, of a big company here in the United States, a Campbell Soup company named Doug Conant, who in, in interviews that he's had and some writing that he's done, you know, people, people would ask him, you know, what is it that, you know, about employees and, and how they, you know, how he interacts with them. And he was known for writing tens of thousands of thank you notes to his employees over the years. And, you know, that, that just, for many people was unheard of that a CEO of a major company would, would take the time to write handwritten notes to employees on their birthdays, or if, you know, perhaps there was a loss in their family or a birth in the family or marriage, uh, things that he, he would, he personally would recognize, uh, for his employees. And people said, but don't you, don't you thank them? Don't you recognize them by giving them a paycheck? And he said, no, you pay them with a paycheck. You thank them with a thank you. <laughs> you thank them by recognizing them, and uh, which is what he did, and that that's uh, that impressed him. And it's something that we try to do as much as we can. Uh, to it's not just about paying people, but about truly being interested in them as human beings, and 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 thanking them in in ways that we that we hope and, and know that uh, are important to them. Absolutely. That is one. That's a wonderful story. And uh, it's this is so important, actually, it's that human touch, which we've forgotten. Right. We've suddenly found ourselves in a workplace which is so much about profit 
and you know making money and you know robotization of individuals really you know that uh, with somehow at least somehow we don't have any feelings and um yeah that we don't have other needs we have needs if I look at maslow's hierarchy you know these are all needs that we have and recognition is a very important need Back in September of 2020, you wrote a blog uh, entitled It's Time for a Human Reboot. <laughs> and uh, one of the, the things you said you wrote in that blog is, while our normal daily activities were on pause, in many ways they still are, <laughs> you said that nature bounced back. Yes. Could you elaborate on that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I think um, nature has bounced back in many, in more ways than one. So not just the nature outside our ecosystem, but actually also uh, ecosystem um, in the societies that we live in also now organizations you know family social and I think what we see suddenly that has happened at least from from that organizational perspective um, is that um, you know in reality as um, you know as human beings if we look back to our you know ancestors and how we've evolved through times we, we all, as human beings, we're hardwired to seek um, close connections with one another. To have, you know, we have a strong desire to care for each other, and um, and we are naturally inclined to contribute towards a greater cause, which is what this pandemic has also shown us. I mean, for the for, for the first time in a long time, we've seen you know competitors, rival healthcare companies coming together, you know, trying to uh, help find a vaccine. We've seen companies sharing talent, you know, and and this is because it's towards a greater cause, a greater, towards a greater good. And I think time and time again, we have examples of, of this happening uh, in our human nature. So um, it's just that sometimes we, we forget in this sort of capitalist world that we live in, and we actually forget who we are, this false consciousness that we've developed. And we suddenly believe all these, all these things that are out there, which are not true, so these false ideologies. So I think what COVID has done is, is highlighted um, a lot of these things brought it to the surface. And we, you know, we hear a lot about the Great Reset. And this is what it's about. It's really about, okay, we have an opportunity. We have a fork in the road. Let's, um, let's choose the right, the right road. Let's do the right thing. We know you've used this, uh, this phrase, uh, the three C's of humanity. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that could put a finer point on, on what you're trying to say here. Yeah, the three C's of humanities are, are, are to uh, to connect, to care, and to contribute. It, it, and it kind of goes around. It, it's what we it revolves around. That's beautiful. Uh, we, we totally agree. <laughs> Absolutely, totally agree. There is a, uh, a famous Michael Jackson song that inspired you to write a blog back in September last year as well. You wrote some good yeah. stuff in September, we want to say, <laughs> uh, so that we liked. Um, and the song, part of it goes like this. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message, no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. We think that's a beautiful song, and it, it led you to write the, write the blog entitled The Man in the Mirror, How Leaders mm -hmm. Can Create Conscious Organizations by Leading with Courage and Vulnerability. We would love for you to tell us about your inspiration there and the message that you shared in that blog. Yes, thank you, Michael. Um, I love that song and that, 
that sort of paragraph is so 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 beautiful i have to say it's um it really it's the realization that um we are responsible for ourselves and we are responsible for what we put out into the world and uh, if you want to see something happen uh we we have to lead by example and second to that change is an inside job uh it's not it's not that something someone does for us it's not something that we go and find somewhere you know it it all starts within change starts within and when it comes to transformation in the workplace when it comes to bringing about you know more um more compassionate or empathetic ways of being uh of living our lives we need to role model those things we need to role model what we want to see we need to create the safe space so um that that essentially was what inspired me was that song was it what inspired it is actually the realization that um you know be the change you wish to see in the world and, and it's it's basically that we see that especially among younger people coming into the workforce they're just starving for authenticity we come back to the word often that people mm. want to be who they say they are and they want others around them to be who they say they are and and just that uh, removing the mask being honest being vulnerable um which takes courage you've talked elsewhere about courage and and how how about that interface between courage and vulnerability as a leader it's the same thing right it's, uh, it's the same side of the coin it takes courage to be vulnerable uh and and it's it's something that again goes back to the definition of success right why is it that we don't see more vulnerability and courage in the workplace why is it that we see so much authenticity yet uh we don't see it because um because success is not rewarded based on courage vulnerability or authenticity you know it's based on certain behaviors certain patterns it's still based very much on how much money you bring in or you know how much, what's the revenue is and how many clients or how, whatever you sell so until that doesn't change uh, and we you know until we don't start rewarding the right things and recognizing the right behaviors we're not going to see much change happen yet uh, and somebody has to take that leap of faith and it has to be management it has to be leadership uh, and there is no point saying that you know I, i want you all to be your full selves come to work you know be authentic and there's also no point saying you know i want you to be creative and tell me your bright and best best ideas if you also don't create the space if you don't showcase and role model the behaviors that lead to that so it's time to walk the talk talking is just not enough anymore Hi, I'm Sharon and I'm Pensy. We are volunteers at Wonders Found Thrift Shop and proud sponsors of the Someone to Tell It To podcasts. Wonders Found is a totally volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We also support local missions and people experiencing homelessness, veterans, and children and youth outreaches. We provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, mountcalvaryumc.org/wondersfound, or stop in to see what wonders you will find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard. God bless.
There's a story that we love to tell, and I think we may have shared it earlier in season one of our podcast, but it comes from Brene Brown, somebody that we all love and appreciate very, very much. And she she was being interviewed one time uh, where she was leading a, a conference to some Fortune 500 CEOs, and she was talking extensively, as she always does, about vulnerability and courage. And I guess at one point during one of the breaks, one of the CEOs made a beeline for her and said, hey, so you're basically saying that I should just be vulnerable in front of all of our constituents who've invested in this company, even though at that point, I guess their company was tanking and not doing well financially. And she said, well, if you want to have a company long term, you may not want to do that. But if you if you want to remain healthy as an organization, then I would suggest that you have at least a few people in your corner with whom you can be truly authentic and vulnerable with. So I think there's a, a lesson to be learned there that maybe it's not necessarily being authentic on the mountaintop, so to speak, but it definitely means that we have some folks within our sphere of influence that we can truly be we use the phrase, honestly, naked and unashamed with, uh, you know, unclothed and, and, and just truly be ourselves and, uh, and be able to express all of the highs and lows of what it, it means to be a leader. It's, I think that's very true. And uh, it would be, it w- it's essential and critical to, to success and mental health well-being, but it's much difficult. It's much harder so, said than done. I mean, that goes back to sort of a bit of psychological safety being there and, and trust as well. And uh, these things are um, are all about interpersonal relationships. Uh, and when it comes to that uh, is also the, the, the confidence. And um, and when it comes to interpersonal relationships, actually, one of the things that is the, the biggest highlight of that is conflict, managing conflict. And most people don't know how to manage conflict healthily. They're afraid of that. Right. Um, and I think if we are to create these places where we are, we're going to bring in authenticity as a value and we want to encourage more people to be themselves and be honest and be more vulnerable, then we also need to teach people how to have healthy conflict and how it's OK to agree or disagree. But what does it mean? How do we how do we bring this in a healthy way to the honest? How can this serve us as opposed to create more division? So uh, so with a, with any dose of authenticity, vulnerability and courage that we want to bring in, we also have to bring in that sort of, okay, what does that mean in practice? That emotional intelligence really has to be brought up and out. Uh, and we have to make a, a more, more effort to do that from a learning and development perspective. You mentioned emotional intelligence, and it was a question we were going to ask you um, even before you, you used this phrase. Could you say more about an emotional intelligence that that... that is a skill that is so needed in in a leader. Much it's much more important than you know intellectual ability. Talk yeah. to us, talk to our listeners about what in, emotional intelligence is and why it's so important. So emotional intelligence refers to the ability to identify and manage one's own emotions as well as those of others, and it's generally said to include about three skills, uh, which is emotional awareness the ability to identify and name one's emotions and the ability to harness those emotions and apply them to um, thinking, problem solving, interacting with others, um, you know, managing their emotions, our emotions. So it's basically regulating and helping others regulate emotions as well. And, um, and I think that's why this is so critical because it's really the essence of our relationships with ourselves 
and also the relationships that we have with others. And that's why emotional intelligence is so important in the workplace and also in our lives as well, because it guides pretty much our lived experience and it guides pretty much the experience that we have with others. And it's central, it's central to relationships. It's central to connection with others. Uh, and, and in the workplace, you, you can now see why it's so central also in the workplace, because it's the ability for us to be able to understand, communicate, connect with each other. It's the ability to sort of, you know, uh, respond to other people as well, sort of stop, listen, and read your behavior, see your behavior and say, okay, what do I need to do now? How do I change my approach? Or how do I change what I need to say based on what I see in front of me? Um, so that's why it's so critical to have um, the ability to, to learn to identify our emotions um, and those of others so we can adapt our response. I've never really thought about this before, but that makes me wonder if there's a connection between your point earlier about success and emotional intelligence and how maybe we, because we viewed success incorrectly at times, we emotional intelligence hasn't been something we've really invested enough attention into. So if success is more about relationships and connecting and caring for our team members at the end of the day, and that's of utmost importance, then uh, maybe we need to start paying a little bit more attention to emotional intelligence. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I, I shared a while back on LinkedIn uh, was a wheel of emotions, uh, Junto's wheel of emotion. And I tell you what, I, and I use that with my daughter. And just the other day, she um, sh she came to me, I'm, I'm upset with you. I said, what is it? That, what is it? Okay, what are you upset about? She's six, by the way. Um, and she explained it to me and blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, what I realized after a while is that we use the same emotions over and over again. Either, either she's upset or she's angry, you know, or she's you know, happy. So I said, okay, we need to expand this because it's, it may not be upset, but it may be something else. So we walked over to the wheel and, you know, and, and they, they're all colored, you know, green, red, blue, yellow. So she said, okay, she knows, she knows the colors, what they mean. So she said, that's in the yellow one. And we got talking, we explored it further. I read all the emotions. And in, in the end, it was that she was, you know, she was frustrated about something. But we're trying to basically expand our vocabulary of emotions because, you know, a lot of the times, even as adults, we don't have the ability to explain to others what we feel, what we think. And we, and we also have, don't have the ability to pinpoint what others are feeling and thinking. And this leads to a lot of miscommunication. And how helpful would it be if we were able to develop our emotional vocabulary? Um, and, and, you know, be able to speak to each other more openly, more authentically about how we feel, but at least understand also uh, that not everything is anger and not everything is, you know, frustration or happiness. There are so many different variants um, and, and this could be a lot more productive and healthy. I don't know if you've ever had the chance with your kids to watch. There was a Pixar movie that came out about five years ago. Have you are you familiar in the Netherlands with Pixar movies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which one is it? Inside Out. Ah, no, you know what? I haven't, but it's it's on my it's on our to do. I'm making note of that. It was brilliant how they did it. They didn't elevate any one emotion over another emotion, and how I think often we maybe elevate, let's say, joy and happiness above mm -hmm. other emotions like anger and fear when they make this this point that every emotion has a necessary place in the human journey and the human story. So strongly mm -hmm. encourage you to watch that yourself and with your kids. 
Yes, I, I will. Because we a few weekends ago, we watched another Pixar movie called Soul. Yes. I'm not sure whether you've seen that. You I need to watch okay. it again. Ah, oh, that was amazing. Because I often talk about, you know, I've talked to my, I've spoken to my daughter about this whole purpose and, and passion and, you know, how a lot of times we get stuck into this rat race. What is my passion? What is my purpose? You know, it goes back to those years ago for me when I felt deeply unfulfilled. And I said, you know, that's not, that's not it. You know, what we need to do is bring passion and purpose into everything that we do. And the moment we do that, we will then feel that sense of fulfillment and happiness and joy in, into all the things that we do in our day-to-day life. So I loved that this movie was about that and how to put it into, um, you know, into characters and, and, and a movie and a storyline. I mean, she's six, bless her, how much is she going to understand? But I'm hoping that some of this stays with her as we go through life and she's able to, to live a more authentic life. But at least chase the right the right things, you know, not the things that I was taught to chase, you know, many many years ago. I think those Pixar happy. movies right now are geared more towards adults even than kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think so. But yeah, as we as we uh, approach a close uh, to this conversation with you, which we, we're loving, and we really thank you for it. We want to circle back to us. Uh, what we talked about at the very beginning about the way our lives have changed with COVID and how, you know, they're, you know, that we just, things are just so much different. And you've stated that um, our normal is no longer. You've written that some celebrate this as a victory. Others long for the return of the normalcy they knew. And yet others wish for a new normal. And with this, a new reality. You've written, a new reality built around a common good and a shared vision for a renewed set of values, renewed beliefs, renewed hopes, renewed dreams, and renewed ambitions, a renewed relationship with each other. That, that is beautiful. <laughs> We're using the term beautiful a lot, actually, with this, with this, this conversation today, because <laughs> you've written some very beautiful things. Would you like to say more about that as, you know, uh, as, we, as we bring this to a close? Those were wonderful words, and I'd forgotten that I'd written them, so thank you. <laughs> well, we we think you should be reminded, because they're great. Gosh, no, thank you. Thank you for, for reminding me that I think ultimately... Uh, for me, what um, what I'd really like to to live you with, leave you with, is is the fact that um, there are two things, two mottos at the moment that I uh, I live by every day. One of them is that uh, the belief and the trust that the right things will come to me in the right way at the right time, and that applies to all of us. So that positive is the positive view that that the faith, you know, just hang on, whatever it's coming you know, at the right time, in the right moment. And the other one is that everyone is doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. So let's all be a bit more compassionate, a bit more empathetic, uh, a bit more forgiving, but not only of each other, but also towards ourselves. It's the time to sort of drop the expectations, you know, the perfection and the control and to just really enjoy and cherish every interaction, um, every moment, and uh, really stop just um, putting all these expectations on ourselves. And that will help us hopefully create a new reality, which is based on uh, connection. Yeah. I absolutely love those two, but I hate them because they, <laughs> that is so hard to implement. 
And it is, yes, that's what we're all longing for. And, and, and circling back, as Michael said, to the beginning of the inter- interview, that is being present as the moment comes, just receiving what comes as it comes. But gosh, that is so hard for most of us. But we need to keep reminding, we need to steep ourselves in those messages. I, I have them on my computer screen and I, I see them and I read them every day, as well as a little uh, totem here. I have my... Uh, turtle <laughs> and the turtle really helps me keep myself grounded um, because that is what the, uh, the meaning of a turtle is right so uh, so you, now you've given us several things we need to do yeah. every day we need to light candles <laughs> and, <laughs> and we need to have certain words up in front of us all the time to remember um, to remember their importance and how we need to try to live them so you've also written be kind, spread joy, mm-hmm. love unconditionally, and take care of your neighbor. Yes. What Amen a beautiful to culture that. to create. Mm. Thank you mm. so much. Thank you. So before we part here, uh, Rashida, I wanted to mention this earlier. How could people learn more about your work? We followed you on LinkedIn, which is how we initially got connected to you, and we've loved it. In fact, I think the two sticky notes you just referenced a moment ago are are your most recent post on LinkedIn, which I quickly liked. (laughs) They are indeed. Yes, I think I'm. you can reach out to me via LinkedIn. Um, I have a website as well, but I'm, I'm most active on, on LinkedIn. I've got an Instagram as well. And um, if you'd like to learn more about me, just drop me a line. I'm always up for connecting with, uh, with people, learning more about them and uh, keeping the cycle of uh, connection, caring and contribution going. Rashida Jones, what an honor, a privilege and a joy to uh, have this conversation with you today. We thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Pleasure was mine. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, what a great conversation. We mentioned early that this has been a hard day for Rashida and her family, and yet she took an hour out of her her day to be truly present with us, something that we talked extensively about. And, and that was a big sacrifice for her. And she was able to, quote unquote, put on her game face and put on her game face she did. Um, Wow, there was so much valuable insight and inspiration. I feel enlivened after having that conversation. I'm ready to tackle this brand new day. I feel inspired as well, and which is part of being enlivened. You know, she, as we, we talked about near the end, she this quote of hers about a new reality that we need to be building in this difficult, difficult time that we're all living with, with, with COVID and about her talking about a renewed set of values, renewed beliefs, renewed hopes, renewed dreams, renewed ambitions, renewed relationships. Wow. There's a lot there. Yeah. Uh, to, I think that we all can remember that we all can live by and, um, she's inspired us. And we're both pragmatic people and that we like to take tangible things and make them a reality in our lives to just make our lives better and those around us and to care for our neighbors and and she gave us some really helpful and practical wisdom i mean i'm literally going to start lighting candles every morning i think 
and she she has these two sticky notes which she referenced on her LinkedIn profile. If you're curious, go on her LinkedIn profile right now, Rashida Jones, and it was her most recent post, and and she has those two sticky notes up on her uh, on her computer that she sees each and every morning. It's a good way to start the day, being reminded that ultimately we're not in control and to receive each moment and 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 truly be present to the moment as it comes we may not like it <laughs> no, <we laughs> it don't. may be really hard <laughs> but uh, we know that it's true and um, we need to we need to follow those principles hope you enjoyed this conversation until we listen again <laughs>